The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only, so if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. Hi, everyone. So for today's Warrior Wednesdays, I'm interviewing an MS patient who resides in Alberta by the name of Jess. Jess has relapse and remitting MS and has had this condition for 11 years. Jess used to work in post-secondary education as an administration professional. And while she was working uh, in post-secondary, Jess pursued education in psychology, human resources, as well as public relations. Jessica, who just turned 40, despite her uh, condition, strives to never give up and is an avid gym goer and also loves helping others thrive in the MS community. Jess has come on to the patient's perspective to discuss her condition, but as well discuss how her disease has led her to a newfound love for hiking in the wilderness. Welcome, Jess. Thank you so much, Kyla, for having me. This is very exciting. Um, I look forward to sharing my journey with your listeners. So as you mentioned, um, I've had MS for 11 years. I was diagnosed in 2011. And at that time, I knew nothing about MS, so it was quite terrifying. Um, anything that I had ever seen was through the MS Society's advertisements for their walks, um, always showing someone in a wheelchair. And I felt that I, I was sure I was doomed to end up in a wheelchair. Um, my first symptoms were uh, loss of sense sensation. and. It was what actually led me to get my diagnosis. So my GP didn't really know what was going on. I sought out another opinion and they didn't really know. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm gonna go and see a chiropractor. Maybe it's a pinched nerve somewhere um, that just needs adjustment and you know, I'll get my sen sensation back. When I saw the chiropractor, after she did her assessment, she told me right away that I needed to go to the ER because she suspected that I may have MS. And uh, with her guidance, I went to the hospital and within a week, I received my diagnosis. 
um, following a whole bunch of tests. The MRIs were enough for me to get my diagnosis. So it showed a lot of lesions on brain and spine. My spine seems to have the highest lesion load. So those first few years were quite difficult. Um, there was a lot going on. I felt like my whole life was inside a snow globe that had been shaken. And suddenly there were pieces of my life just falling all around me. And I, I did not know how to cope with that. Nothing prepared me for what I was now facing. So I, I struggled in those, those first few years. Um, not really proud to admit that my coping strategy at that time was to drink. Um, so I drank a lot of alcohol because I just didn't know what else to do. And I didn't really have a strong support network. So that had a huge influence on me turning to that unhealthy coping mechanism. And I think probably many of us will fall into that trap, so to speak, um, when we don't have supports that we need. If you don't mind me jumping in here. Um, so you obviously, it was around, you were 28, 29 when you first started, like when you got diagnosed. Um, yeah. That, I mean, coming from somebody that went through my 20s chronically ill, you know, I know that it's really hard at that age because for the most part, there's nobody around that age range that you know of a lot of the time that is like that has a chronic illness. So I, I understand like what you're saying in terms of not having support and and you feel like you can't talk about it a lot of the times because you are so young. Absolutely. And I mean, at the time I was employed in post-secondary and unfortunately I was unable to work. So that led me to being on long-term disability. And that, that was really difficult, um, especially not having the supports because now everyone I know, they all have a job, they're all working during the day and I'm you know stuck at home and trying to figure out what direction my life is now gonna go in. So that, that while the long-term disability I feel was needed at that time, after three years, I started to get squirrely and I was able to uh, speak with my employer and my union to fight to return to work. So they were quite surprised that I was even interested in trying to return to the workforce. Um, but I think they didn't understand that working was all I really knew. And to not have a job and to not work at all made me feel very isolated and in a way it made me feel useless because now I didn't have any anywhere to direct my skill set. So returning to work was good. I was able to return to work with accommodation. So I'm I'm grateful for that. And I worked with some really wonderful people who were very understanding. And I'm always I've always been an open book when it comes to having MS because I don't think we talk about it enough. Um, within the MS community, sure, we do talk about it, but we live in fear of disclosing that information to anyone else out of fear of judgment, out of fear of you know, potential loss of job and you know, so on and so forth. So I, I just, right from the get-go, I was very open and honest about my diagnosis and I feel like that worked to my advantage. 
Um, given the people that I was surrounded by in the workplace, they were very understanding and accommodating and they were willing to work with me to see what they could do to help me contribute significantly in the workplace. So that, that was great. Really, really thankful for that, for sure. Um, I was in that role, uh, gosh, I was in post-secondary for 14 and a half years and three of those years spent on LTD. So I think it was that about seven and a half years or something that I had returned to the workforce before they abolished my position due to restructuring. So there wasn't really too much I could have done about that. Um, I, I was stung by it, to be honest with you. After so many years of service and having such a, an amazing track record in my role, um, I couldn't really believe that now they were just going to let me go because they were doing all this restructuring. So that actually happened in April of last year. And thankfully, um, I was on a redeployment period, which also means I received a severance pay. So I didn't really have to try and find another job. And that was good. Um, I didn't want to want to deal with the stress of that. But I am now trying to get back into the workforce. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. Uh, I'm trying to be patient about it. Um, I, I know it's difficult for us out there when we're trying to find a job, something that's going to be part time, something that falls in line with our abilities and our skills. So I'm just keeping an eye out for something that's going to fall in line with what I enjoy doing. And as you mentioned, I really love helping others. Um, it, it's just part of who I am, part of my personality. Shortly after I was diagnosed, I went on a 10 day yoga retreat in BC. Um, it was north of Creston. It was a beautiful location. And in those 10 days, I was able to quiet the mind a little bit and find a way to really just manage how I'm feeling in a more proactive way and to be surrounded by other people who are going through their own thing, not necessarily MS, but we can share our journeys. And that was really invaluable for me at that time. If you don't mind me stepping in, and <clears throat> this was something I've looked into years ago, is it, was it one of those silent retreats, like where you had to be quiet for a certain amount of time or no? No, no, okay. this one was, yeah, this one, it was, um, it was at the Yasodera Ashram. And uh, they actually offer you what's called karma yoga. So you go and you actually help them out um, on their land because they grow all their own fruits and vegetables and you know it was it was just so enlightening to me to have that quiet um, and during the retreat we did an exercise where we had to identify our life's purpose and through that that's where I was able to identify that my life's purpose was to be of service to others and I've really clung on to that um, so in 2014, I went ahead and I created a Facebook group for specifically Canadians living with MS. Because at the time I was finding a lot of groups through that platform that were very US based. And of course our medical system here is very different. So although there was lots of good advice being given, it didn't necessarily apply to a Canadian. 
So I felt it was important to start up a group where not only I could find support, but where others could also find support. And as of today, we've got roughly 1300 members um, in the group across Canada who are living with MS or navigating a diagnosis. And it's just been so fulfilling for me and my life's purpose to be able to offer that opportunity for others to find somewhere to go and to ask questions and to not feel belittled and to share their experiences. And I think it's also important to mention that with MS, um, it's often referred to as a snowflake, snowflake disease. Mm. And so it can be wildly different from person to person. And I think it's really important to remember that when you're in interacting with other people with MS. So it's getting my diagnosis has actually made me a lot more sensitive to the experience of others mm -hmm. and being able to listen with compassion and understanding and without judgment. So creating that space uh, was a real monumental thing for me. And to see it grow and to see the benefit that other people were getting has just, it's given me a sense of pride. Yeah, 1300 members. I mean, that's quite a feat for, you know, a Facebook group, right? I mean, a lot of them get created and then peter out. So to have 1300, that's fantastic. Yeah, and they're fairly active and lots of great people and everyone is so willing to help one another. And it just feels like such a tight knit community, even though it's over social media and we're not face to face all the time or ever, quite honestly, um, we do communicate regularly with one another and we find our supports through that communication. So that's, that's awesome. yeah, so that's felt like just, I'm really proud of that. I, I'm proud of not just myself and creating this group and creating a um, welcoming environment, but also for all of those people who have joined and who have contributed to the platform because they're also fantastic and we share a lot of love for one another. So that's, um, yeah, that's been huge. <laughs> um, I wasn't taking very good care of myself in those early years. Um, it hasn't been really until the last four years where I decided that I'd had enough of waking up and going to my couch and doing nothing. Like I just felt like I was no longer living and it was time to live. Fortunately, um, I met someone who was I don't know, I'd say pretty active in terms of going to the gym and going hiking and climbing and all of these things. So through him, he actually introduced me to what it was like to really go on a hike. In previous years, yeah. <laughs> in, in previous years, my hiking was like, I don't know, it was it was all even terrain, you know, the really light, easy stuff. And even that I was like, yes, I'm proud of myself. I did that. But when he took me up, um, Lady McDonald, actually, just outside of Canmore, I've I wasn't sure. That. Yeah, I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. Um, <laughs> Needless to say, it was a nine hour day, <laughs> um, but 
I got up to the false summit. I was a little bit too chicken to go to the true summit because there was, you know, very narrow rock areas that you had to walk through to get there. And at the time, I just didn't have the skills to be able to do it. But I was I was proud of the moment of reaching the false summit and then getting back down. Um, coming back down, I think we were maybe a quarter of the way back from the vehicle. And that's when my legs started giving out on me. And he kept asking me if I was okay. And I had to tell him to stop asking <laughs> because, because you know what? Like, I'm gonna be fine. <laughs> I'm gonna do this. I committed myself to it and I wanted that sense of accomplishment. So, you know, getting back to the truck, I collapsed into the truck mm -hmm. and I was shaking, but I felt amazing. I thought, yes, if I can do that, what else can I do? you know, and that's when my love for hiking and scrambling, actually, there's a distinct difference between the two, um, really took off. Um, so for the listeners, uh, Jess, if you don't mind me um, poking in here, uh, Jess and I both reside in Alberta, so I know exactly kind of the terrain that she's kind of talking about, and I can tell you, I don't have the guts to try it. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's uh, good on you, Jess. <laughs> it's um, pretty intimidating. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, um, and, you know, before we started recording this um, podcast, Jess and I were discussing the fact that we both are like type A personality. I had to let that go for years, but, um, you know, you, you get to the point where you realize you can't do everything, but it's that attitude of, um, like, it's almost like a drive. Like if, if somebody tells me that I can't do something, that's where I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, see this? Yeah. You, you don't want to tell me I can't because yeah. guess what? I'm, I'm about to prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then even against myself, like I, I battled myself. So that's why I'm laughing when you're talking about the fact, like, you know, if I can do that, what else, you know, what else can I do? Right. Yeah, it just felt like a whole other world opened up to me. And I started really getting a determination that I never had before. And it was, it was difficult to get to that point. Like, not gonna lie, it, it takes an incredible amount of will, an indomitable will, you know, that I'm gonna do these things. And I've committed to myself that I am going to live a life of adventure for as long as I possibly can, because I don't know what tomorrow will bring. So today is really important and I'm going to do what I can today. So, yeah, so he introduced me to the hiking and then you also introduced me to the gym. I had gone to the gym before, but most of the time I was just doing cardio. So, you know, getting on the elliptical, not really lifting any weights, but he got me into weight training. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that now for the last three years. Um, aside from, of course, the pandemic and our closures, there is a bit of a gap in there. Uh, I don't have a home gym, so I rely on, you know, the, the big business gyms to be able to go and get my workouts. And when I wasn't able to go, that was actually really difficult because I've found over the years that going to the gym and doing this training 
has given me a newfound sense of confidence. And it's had not just a physical benefit, but a mental benefit. Mm-hmm. And when you're someone with depression, we are, like when you have depression, it can be so hard sometimes. And especially over the winter months, you know, I struggle the most between November to probably about May. Um, I start to come out of it in April, you know, uh, so not having access to the gym during that time made it really difficult for me to manage the depression. But now that I can go back to the gym, I got right back into it. And I work out three to four days a week. And I've seen such a change, not just mentally um, and physically, but also emotionally. I feel like I'm ready to tackle anything, you know, whatever comes up for me. It's like, all right, I got this. If I if I can deadlift, you know, 150 pounds, I'm pretty sure I can manage all this other heavy stuff going on in my life. So I really lean on that to find a sense of strength. And weightlifting so, would be really important um, for, I mean, it's, it's important for anybody, but especially anyone that would have MS particularly, I would assume, right? Is there muscle mass loss with MS? I think there, there is, can be. There? Yeah. yeah, there can be absolutely. And you also get muscle weakness. So I experienced that on the left side of my body, particularly my left leg. Um, I have clonus and foot drop on that side. Mm-hmm. And I also have weaknesses um, that are pretty well anywhere in the leg. So I've had to adapt the way that I lift and the types of lift that I'm doing and focus really on strengthening those muscles. And by strengthening those muscles, I feel like I'm setting myself up to be stronger later on. So even though this illness might, you know, take its effect, I may get worse. At least I'm, I've worked on that strength piece. Mm-hmm. And I hope that by doing so, I'm going to, I don't know, I, I'm going to just face you know, the MS, new symptoms or new activity in such a way that's going to be proactive for me. So getting into this routine has been hugely helpful. Now, because I don't have a job now, going to the gym is my full-time job. Taking care of myself is my full-time job. And I don't find very many people really understand that. Mm -hmm. And I'm at a loss of trying to explain it because yes, everyone should take care of themselves. Everyone should exercise regularly. These are important things that you need to have in your toolbox in order to deal with day-to-day life and just your general functional movements. So it's, it's hard for me to explain to someone without MS just how challenging it can be to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, my workouts take a while, um, especially these days. Um, I'm, it's usually a two hour workout session because I need longer pauses in yeah. between my sets. But in gaining that strength, I've been able to tackle more mountains. And in the last two years, I've actually done 42 summits. 
Wow. And I cannot tell you the feeling of standing on a mountain summit, that incredible empowerment that comes out of it. And just knowing that you're but a small part of this world. And I, I like that feeling, you know, like I, I like feeling like it's not just me, but look at all this beauty around us. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I've, I've done a fair amount of hiking and I'm just getting back into it now. Um, because what was course, your favorite summit? Do you have a, do you have a favorite? My favorite would have to be Tent Ridge. Tent Ridge was fabulous. It was beautiful. Um, my second favorite and kind of ironic uh, was the Highwood Ridge. So that day I set out, I was going to do the Pocatera Traverse, um, a massive objective. And I knew it was massive. But I got out there and I was prepared. I had all of my gear. Um, I've taken wilderness first aid training. I always carry for for big objectives like that. I always carry um, like a beacon or yeah, it's a yeah, it, 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 yeah it's a beacon of some sort. I'm trying to remember what it's actually called. Inreach the Garmin Inreach. So, and I don't actually own one because they're so expensive, but you're able to rent them. So I rented one and for this particular journey, because I knew I was going out by myself and I quite often do these objectives on my own. Um, I wouldn't recommend anyone go by themselves. I think that that comes with experience over time. Now do it but... do as we say, not as we do, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I don't like, I would never tell someone, oh yeah, you should go out by yourself. Mm, no. You never know what's gonna happen. And actually this hike is a perfect example of that because I was good until I got to Mount Tirwit. And I got halfway up Mount Tirwit and I couldn't root find anymore because there's so much rock and I just, it, it wasn't computing in my brain. Like, how, how am I going to get up there? I just could not figure out how I was going to make my way up. So I decided, okay, I'm going to sit on the side of this mountain <laughs> and I'm going to have a snack and just, just breathe for a minute and figure out what am I going to do next? So while disappointed that I couldn't do the Pocatera Traverse, there was a neighboring Highwood Ridge. And so I decided I was going to go up Highwood Ridge. And that one is a bit of a scramble, absolutely. And it means that you're you're climbing. You're using your hands and legs to climb up some of the sides of this. And I did great. I feel like I did great until I got to the summit. I got to the summit and my legs gave out on me. Now, I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about panic setting in. I thought to myself, how am I going to get myself off this mountain? Now, I knew I had the in-reach device, and I could hit the SOS button, and the cavalry would come. But I'm stubborn. So, (laughs) while I had my little breakdown, I talked myself through it. I felt so defeated, but I thought to myself, it is time to warrior up. And I sucked it up and I went, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get myself off this mountain. I will not be rescued. And I found, I managed to find 
a path to get myself down, but I had to go down on my butt Mm -hmm. because my legs weren't working. So I had to slide myself down this mountain, down this summit to get back to the parking lot. And the whole way, like I am yelling profanities because I'm in so much pain, like so much pain. So between profanities, I'm also singing, you are my sunshine as loud as I can. Because A, I wanna make sure the wildlife stays away from me and they recognize there's a human nearby. Mm -hmm. And B, it was comforting for me. Uh, It was something my grandmother always sang. So I, I just, by default, I went to, you are my sunshine. So I'm singing this and I'm cursing as I'm going down and I can hear a rock fall from above me which increases my anxiety because I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? And Mm -hmm. how am I going to get out of the way? Thankfully, it wasn't anywhere too close to me. Um, So I kept on singing, going down on my butt. And I finally made it down. And I was so overjoyed that I had made it. I burst into tears. I was in so much pain, so much pain, but I did it. And that was huge huge accomplishment. The fact that I was in that situation, being alone and having this issue, but being able to get myself out of there of my own volition, that is incredible. It's, it gave me that sense of, you know what? I really am strong. I really can do anything. Now, had the situation been worse? Yes, I would have called the cavalry. Absolutely. But I like to try to navigate these things by myself, first and foremost, while also discerning when it's time to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So if you could give any advice um, to not just MS patients, but um, just patients in general that are struggling um, emotionally, uh, physically with their condition, um, based on your life experience, what would be the advice that you would give to people? Don't give up. Don't give in. Because our minds, we have monkey brains that like to trick us into thinking that we can't do something or that we're not good enough to do something. And we're often told that as well by other people. Yeah. And the best thing is ignore those voices because you are so much more capable than what you give yourself credit for. And it's taking those small steps. So taking small steps, one thing at a time, one day at a time, that's what you have to do. It's all about living in the present moment. So especially when it comes to, you know, the the psychological effects of things, because I know how easy it is to just fall into those depths of despair. I've been there and it's not a nice place to be and having to pull yourself out of it because you don't have any support makes it that much more challenging. Mm -hmm. If you have support, I would say that's lean on your support and don't be afraid to ask for help because that's what they're there for. They love you. That's, that's what they're going to do for you. Don't feel like an inconvenience. Don't sit there and talk yourself out of it. Because we're all really good at doing that, I think. And we need to cast that aside. We need to just 
focus on ourselves, putting yourself first is not selfish. Mm -hmm. Putting your health and your needs first is the best thing that you can ever do for yourself. It's the best thing I've ever done for myself. And and it you, are, you are the most important person or should be the most important person in your own life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to take care of yourself. No one else is going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. You have to take, you have to advocate for yourself and you have to work through those feelings and emotions. And so, you know, having counseling, reading really good books, um, one of the books that I absolutely love that has given me a way of just working through my own life issues and being able to come to terms with, you know, maybe some of my own faults and just accepting and then recognize them, recognizing them for what they are and then setting a plan for how to improve and just really staying focused was um, written by Dr. Nicole LaPera. It's called how to do the work. And so if you struggle with, you know, that negative self talk or some of that previous conditioning of you need to always please everybody else and it's weakness to ask for help, I highly recommend this book because it opened my eyes to so many things about myself that I didn't even realize. And I think if you don't mind, we're going to end this session here. Because you're actually getting into a topic that I was thinking of doing for my next podcast. And we will talk afterwards, but I would love to maybe have you on for that one as well. Oh, it would be my pleasure. Absolutely. Awesome. So I want to thank you, Jess, for coming here today. And you and I will set that up. Um, and I hope all the listeners have a great and a wonderful day. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye, Jess. Bye. I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at thepatientsperspective.com or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting the patient's perspective.